Good morning. How's everybody? Yeah, Rick, he keeps giving me all these good introductions. He don't know that there's a huge honeydew list waiting on him. Get him back. He owes me. No, I'm just joking. Well, I'm going to talk this morning about Wonder Woman, and I'm just going to tell you that in preparing, I don't think I've ever felt so convicted myself. I feel kind of unqualified to talk about uh, this subject today because, um, you know, I've just had to repent and seriously repent. God, I have failed in so many areas. So um, I've preached to myself first, okay? Another reason that I feel kind of unqualified is because, now don't get mad, but I really am not a fan of superheroes. I have never been. I just can't bear to watch those movies. And you can ask my kids. I have endured a few when they were teenagers and stuff. We'd go see those movies. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm glad that's over. So I'm not a fan of superheroes. I've never been. Even when I was a kid, you know, Sunday, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, you know, as long as Tweety Bird and Looney Tunes and the Archies and H.R. Puffin stuff was on, I was there. But let Super Friends come on, and I was done. So I'm not a real big fan of superheroes, but I did go see the movie, and I'm going to tell you about that, but I also feel kind of unqualified because I'm not Wonder Woman. You know, when you think of superheroes, you think of people that are brave, people that are bold, people that are adventurous and take risks, live life on the edge. That's not me. If you know me, you know that is not David. Just ask the people that went to South Dakota with me. I was pretty much, you know, terrified the whole time we were there because of just different things that were happening because I'm not an adventurous person I think it's probably the way you know I was raised my dad he I can just hear his words he used to always say people just need to use the good sense God gave them so I don't ride roller coasters or climb mountains or jump out of airplanes or those other rides where you go high and just dangle in the air my good sense says that's dangerous so I don't do it you know so I feel kind of unqualified because I'm not a very bold person. I'm not a brave person. I want to be more brave, but I'm going to tell you just a little bit about the movie. But first, I want to tell you a story about myself. And I cannot believe I'm going to tell this story because I've spent most of my married life trying to live this story down. And I think I've finally done it because most of y'all don't even know this story. But um, you know how when you're young and you just think you know everything? And nobody can tell you anything because you know it all. And when Rick and I got married, we were very young, and I just thought I knew everything about, you know, having a job and coming home and making dinner and doing laundry and keeping a house and about being married. I just knew everything. And so one day, I was going to make Rick a chocolate pie. His mother, for one of my gifts at one of my showers, she gave me a, a recipe book that she wrote out the recipes in it that Rick liked. And one of them was chocolate pie, so I was going to make chocolate pie. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to tell this story, and if y'all want to after church, we'll talk about it and laugh about it, but after today, well, I don't want to hear it anymore, okay? <laughs> so, anyway, I was going to make this chocolate pie, and it said, two eggs separated. So I did. I got two dishes, and I put one egg in one dish, and I put the other egg in the other dish, and I just started making the pie, and I cooked the, you know, the chocolate mixture, and it said to put the egg yolk in the pie. And so I thought, well, okay, that was weird. I just messed up an extra dish there, and I just 
you know, put them in, and I cooked it, and I put it in the pie shell, and it said to let it cool. And then the recipe said to make the meringue to go on top, and it called for two egg whites. Okay, where do you get those at? Because my egg whites are in the pie, so how am I going to do that? So I took a lot of ribbon about that. After people learned about it, they joked about it for years and years. They just thought that was the funniest thing. And you know why I told that story? It's just because sometimes you think you know something. Have you ever been like that? You just, you just had it figured out, and then you look back and you think, I didn't know. I didn't know that I didn't know. And that's kind of how this movie starts out. The first thing that Wonder Woman says in the movie is she says, when I was young, I wanted to save the world, but I knew so little then. You see, she is raised, it starts out when she's a kid, and she's raised on this paradise island. It's beautiful, beautiful mountains, crystal blue, beautiful sea that surrounds it. Everything in this island is perfect. There's no war, there's no strife, there's, there's just unity and harmony, and it's all women on this island. There's no men. Now, I'm just telling you about the movie. I'm not insinuating anything or trying to make a joke. That's just the movie. But, but there's no men on this island. And one day, after she has trained, everybody on this island is training, and they're, they're uh, like magnificent warriors. They're Amazon warriors, and they're just, they're expert at, at battle and, and, you know, using their sword and their shield. They're, they're just experts at it. And they've been doing all this training, and the whole time, Wonder Woman, and her name's Diana in the film, and she's, she's thinking, well, we're doing all this, but why? Why would we ever need to use this? Because everything here is so perfect and safe. Why would we ever need to use this? And then one day, this American spy from World War I, he crashes his plane into the ocean um, there by their beautiful paradise, and she jumps off a mountain into the water and saves him and rescues him, you know, just like Wonder Woman would. And he begins to tell her about the war. And he tells her that outside this paradise, outside this safe area, there is an evil war going on. And that there are people that are dying daily. And there are women and children that are innocent, that are being slaughtered. And Wonder Woman is just filled with rage almost that she has to go to the war. She has to go to the battle and defeat this evil because she says, I know how to, I can take care of this. I know how to use this sword. I know how to use this shield. I know the power in her armbands or whatever that is. I know the power in that. I know that I have the knowledge and the training that I have to go to the war. I have to go to the battle and defeat this evil. And, you know, everyone on the island, her mother says, don't go, don't go, stay here, stay here where it's safe. And she said, really? What kind of person would I be? If I had all this knowledge and I had the ability to destroy the evil, but I just stayed here in the paradise and worried about myself. And so, of course, you know, she picks up her sword and her shield and she says to the battle and she's off and, you know, in the end she wins. And I know you know where I'm going with this because that so, to me, represents the church today. We know everything about evil. We know how to defeat it. We have all the tools and all the weapons. We have the answer to the problems. Jesus is the answer. But somehow we just kind of sit in our safe place and we forget that there's a battle, an evil, evil villain out there beyond those doors 
that wants to destroy our nation. If you haven't noticed, I think there's a battle going on for the very soul of our nation. Now, I don't think it's just political. I don't think it's just this side wanting to win against this side. I don't think that. I think it's a spiritual evil war for the very soul of our nation. And I think it's time that the church, and we talk about it all the time, that everybody has something to do for Jesus, but I think it is time that as a church, the whole body of Christ, we got focused on defeating the evil. And we picked up every tool and every weapon that Jesus Christ has provided for us, and we run to the battle. Because if we don't, we can sit inside here, but one day the evil's going to come here. And then it's going to be a whole lot harder to defeat the evil. It's time the church of Jesus Christ woke up and shook itself. This is what Samuel Rodriguez said. He said, the time for Kumbaya Christianity is officially over. You know what that is. It's a very complacent Christianity. He said, it's time for it to be over. I think it is too. I think we ought to say today in my life, it ends. Today in church 2911, if there's any complacency, it ends today. It's time for the holy church of Jesus Christ to rise up and preach his gospel of truth, of love and grace. And I couldn't agree with that anymore. It's time for the church to boldly pick up their sword and their shield and everything they know about God and storm the gates of hell. You see, I think this is the problem the church has, is it's not that we don't know what to do or what we're supposed to be doing. I think we have just somehow bought into the idea that it's optional. You know, like, yeah, today's Sunday. I can go to church and I can, maybe I can do some ministry today. But now not tomorrow because tomorrow I'm real busy. And you know, Saturday, my calendar's full. And we don't look at it as a 24-7 job. We just look at it as something we do in our spare time. But you're a Christian 24-7 and your main thing to do is to share the gospel and defeat the evil every day. Not just Sundays, not just some days. It is not optional. Jesus Christ called us to this battle and we need to start fighting every day, all the day. So I know that you're probably thinking, well, what does that even look like? What does, what does a church like that look like? Well, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about Acts chapter 12. And I'm going to talk to you about Peter. And I know y'all thought I was going to talk about a woman. But as I was, you know, doing this, I thought, we don't need a woman. We don't need a man. We need people. We need wonder people. We need people that are on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to talk to you about Acts chapter 12. And we're going to start out talking about Peter. And let's just talk a little bit about up to this point. We know that Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And he walked with Jesus during his ministry, Jesus' ministry here on earth. He saw miracles day in and day out. He um, was um, in the garden with Jesus when the soldiers came. And then he denied Jesus, even knowing him, three times before Jesus was crucified. And, but on the resurrection morning, Peter was one of the first people at the tomb. He was there when Jesus ascended to heaven and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he was there at the day of Pentecost when um, the Holy Spirit came and, and Peter was filled with the Spirit. All the people in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter boldly stepped out on the porch of that house and he began to preach and 3,000 people got saved that day and the church of Jesus Christ was birthed and it spread like wildfire. But now in Acts chapter 12, we find Peter and he is in prison. And I'm just going to read it to you. It's 12 verses. I'm going to read it real fast. 
It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought he was having a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through, the, through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do with me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Now, I know you're trying to think, What's this got to do with Wonder Woman? <laughs> but let me just tell you something that in that story really sticks out to me. It is Peter's in jail. He's, he's been arrested. He's about to probably be killed the next day. And an angel comes and rescues him, and they start to go out. And when they go past the prison, there's the city gates. And the people inside that gate are the people that want to put him to death. And the gates open, and Peter just goes through. Now, I know he thought he was having a vision, but I think if that had been me, since I'm not a risk taker, since I always play it safe, I would have said, hey, in case God didn't tell you this, Mr. Angel, the people that want to kill me are inside that city, and if it's okay with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of town for a while. I'm going to hide out. And I know that when the angel left, and I was standing there, and I realized, oh, this is really happening, and I was standing there in the city gates, I would have probably thought, I better get out of here because the people that want to take my life away from me are in this city. And that's what stands out in that story. But Peter, he didn't. It, he, I don't even think he blinked an eye. Apparently, Peter was so at peace. I mean, he was asleep in the prison. He wasn't worried about anything. And it was like, he was, it was like it's not even an option. It's not a choice. It's... it's I'm compelled to stay in this city because the people were in the city. You know, God's all about people. And he's called us to people, to love people, to share the gospel with people. And Peter knew he couldn't do that outside the gate, so he stayed inside the gates to minister to those people. And I was thinking, what did Peter know? I think Peter knew I think, you know, it's like I said a while ago, when you're young, you don't understand everything. But looking back, Peter knew that there was no other option but to stay inside the city. And the first thing I think that Peter knew about was his purpose. In Luke 5, there's a story about Peter. The first time, it's one of the first times, if it's not the first time, he met Jesus. And Peter has been fishing all night long, and he has not caught any fish because Peter was a fisherman, you know, before he became a disciple of Jesus. And he had fished all night and not caught one fish. 
And we find him, he's pulled his net up on the shore, he's disgusted, he's discouraged, and he said, I quit. I'm not fishing anymore. I'm done. And the Bible says he's cleaning up his net. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, let me borrow your boat. I want to get out in the water and, and preach to the people on the shore. And, you know, Peter said, have at it. Go for it. And so when P Jesus was finished preaching, uh, preaching to the people, he told Peter, he said, Peter, get in the boat and push the boat out and, and fish a while. And Peter said, you don't understand. I'm done. I quit because I have fished all night long and I've not caught one thing. You know, as I was preparing this message, I just felt like that I needed to encourage the church. We can't quit. We can't be discouraged. We can't look at the evil and be discouraged. But I felt like God wanted me to say to somebody here today that maybe you're about ready to quit. I don't know what you're ready to quit. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you're done. You said, I'm walking out. Don't quit. Do like Peter. Because what Peter said was, nevertheless, even though I've toiled all night, even though I've washed my nets and I'm, I'm discouraged, nevertheless, at your word, I'll give it one more try. I don't know what it is. It may be your job. It may be your finances. It may be your children. You may just have completely given up. It may be your life. You may be at that point to where you've just given up on your life. I just want to urge you today, don't quit. Hang in there. And the church can't quit. We can't get discouraged. We can't look at the evil and say, oh, it's so powerful, it's so big that we'll never be able to destroy the evil. We have to do like Peter and say, it's your word. I'm going to do it one more time. And you know the story. Peter went out, threw his net in, and he caught so many fish, he had to get other fishermen to come help him get the fish in. And when he came back on the shore, he, was, he fell at Jesus' feet, and Jesus said, wait a minute, from now on you're not going to catch fish anymore. You're going to catch men. And that day, Peter, he stepped into his purpose. And he started walking with Jesus. He wasn't perfect. Peter messed up a whole lot. You read the Gospels. He messed up a lot. But he never gave up. He just kept walking in his purpose. And God's got a purpose for you. And I just want to know, what is it? What talent and what seed, what gift, what story is in you that could literally change the future for someone else or the future for generations to come? Peter, Peter did. His purpose did. I'm standing here today, generations later, telling you about the hope that he left us, that he taught us. What about you? God wants to use you just the same way. He wants that for 2911. I believe that. I believe there's so much more than this. I believe instead of two services, we ought to have services every weekend, all weekend long, because there's people out there that they need to know that they have a purpose too. And the enemy has them so blinded and so deceived and so discouraged and so down and out. They have no hope. And you and I, if we don't step into our purpose every day, 24-7, it's not an option. Every day, walk in our purpose. We say that all the time around here. You know it. You can you hear it in your sleep probably. Everybody has something awesome to do for Jesus. We need to start doing it. We need to start doing that awesome thing. And we need to do it 24-7. I just, I just have this thing that it's not in my notes. I didn't say it in the first service, but when we lived in Enterprise, we had a little woman, a little Korean woman, and she came to our church. Her husband was in the military, and she came, to, and it wasn't Jamie. <laughs> I, I, she came to our church, and she was so passionate about Jesus, and I would kid her, you know, because that song, Jesus Freak, was real big then, and I would say, oh, her name was Myung. I'd say, Myung, you're just a Jesus Freak. And she'd say, oh, thank you, thank you. She thought it was an amazing compliment. 
and she was a barber on the military base, and she said that she told everybody about Jesus. She said, uh, you sit in my chair, I tell you about Jesus. You not want to hear about Jesus? Don't sit in my chair. And she brought people to church with her all the time, every service almost, because she had a purpose. And she had lived a life, and she's got a beautiful testimony that she didn't know purpose. She didn't know hope. But when she stepped into her purpose, she said, everybody that sits in this chair, I'm going to tell them that they have a purpose. I'm going to tell them that Jesus has a purpose for their life. And I'm telling you that this morning. Don't be deceived. God wants to use you in a mighty way, more than you can ever imagine. Another thing that Peter knew about was problems. Peter had problems. We know that. Had a bad temper. Had a bad attitude. Always put his foot in his mouth. He talked too much. He was a know-it-all. But you know what? Peter never let his problems overcome his purpose. You watch. He messed up, but he didn't quit. He just kept going. And he never let his problems overcome his purpose. Now, let's just be real blunt here. We do. Because just be honest. When we have problems, we're just zoned in and focused on that problem. We're just... We can't serve, we can't minister, we can't help, we can't witness, we can't be a light and salt because we have problems and we gotta, we got to take care of our stuff. Peter wasn't like that. Peter was surrounded by people that had problems. Everybody that came to Jesus had problems. That's why they came to him. And he, he saw problems day in and day out, but he also knew Jesus was the problem solver. And he was there that day when Jesus was teaching the people, and this is what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Peter knew what that meant. You know what that means? You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, let's do this. Let's trade all your problems, everything that you're sitting out there today and you're concerned about, let's trade. You bring them to me. You put them at my feet. I know how to deal with problems. And you take my yoke. A yoke sounds bad, don't it, when you say yoke. But he's saying, you take my yoke because it's light. Here, you wear my yoke. You know what that is? Just sharing the gospel. You go out there and you be salt, and you be light, and you speak my name, and you give your testimony, and you share your story 24-7. It's never optional. It's, it's what I've called you to do. You do that, and I'll, I'll take care of all these problems. Peter knew that. And that's what Peter had done. He was in prison, uh, you know, about to be put to death, and he don't seem very worried to me. He's asleep. The angel actually said a bright light came in there, and an angel actually had to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, wake up. He wasn't worried about problems because he had already stepped into his purpose and he had already sold out to Jesus and he had already decided that he was going to do what Jesus called him to do. And he knew that there was people inside that city that had problems, that, if, that Jesus was the only one that could answer those problems. Jesus was the only one that could help them. And he said, I can't go. I can't run. I can't hide. I am compelled to go in there and tell the people about the problem solver. And that's what we need to do. Because most of the people we run into every day, they have problems. I told y'all that I stepped on my own toes a lot. I, the other uh, few weeks ago, I was at JCPenney, and I was uh, looking in the men's department. Had some pants and stuff, and there was a little, 
uh, elderly sales lady here, and she said, good morning, how are you? And I said, I'm fine, how are you doing? And she said, well, I don't feel good. She said, I'm just feeling really bad. She said, I'm just feeling real shaky. She said, I'm a diabetic, and I feel like, you know, I, I got concerned, and I said, well, let me help you. Let me, let me help you get somewhere where you can sit down or, you know, where you can get something to drink, or should I go tell somebody? And she was like, no, no, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine, and I just kept trying to help her, and she said, no, I'm, I'm going to take my break, and I'm going to get me something to eat, and I'll be better. And, and so she turned and walked off, and I didn't think any more about it, and I got in the car and headed home, and it was like that came back to me, and it was like, the Lord said, why didn't you pray with her? Why didn't you just say, hey, I, 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 let's pray about this because I know Jesus can, he can help you. And you know what? She was probably a believer. She probably was a Christian. But what if she hadn't have been? Wouldn't that have been an awesome time to tell her about Jesus? And you know what? I'm ashamed to say it, but I didn't even think about it. I just got in my car and drove home, and I repented. And I said, God, if you'll give me one more opportunity, I'll try not to ever do that again. Right there in JCPenney, share the gospel. At your job, share the gospel. And when you're eating in a restaurant, when you're standing in line and in, in the checkout at Walmart, share the gospel. Because, and, and listen to people, look out for their problems. When you see somebody with a problem, don't be like me. Be quick to mention the name of Jesus and share Jesus. And Peter, he knew he had to stay inside the city. He knew his purpose was to tell the people that there is a problem solver that can handle it. And the last thing that Peter knew about was power. Um, you know, our, our world, our culture is so confused about power. You know, I, I like politics, and so I like, like to keep up on everything. So that's what the, everybody's saying now is, oh, the reason everything's in such a mess is because people are just grasping for power. You know, the Democrats, the Republicans, you know, uh, they all want power. And I think that's, that's not power. A few years ago, I read an article. It was an article, I think, by Matt Walsh. And he was talking in his article about another article. And the article he was talking about, I went to it and I read it. And it was saying that, um, it was about Beyonce. And it was saying that she had a new album out and that every young girl, everybody that had a preteen or any young woman should, should really, you know, listen to these songs because they were empowering for women. And I thought, wow, I want to read this, you know. And so I just Googled the lyrics to her songs. And I'm not talking about music. I know y'all think I'm getting on music. I'm not. I'm talking about how deceived our world is today and how our culture has just made a complete turnaround. So I went and I just Googled this album and then I started to Google some lyrics to these songs. And don't do that, okay? Because I didn't feel powerful. I felt ashamed. And I felt embarrassed. I felt degraded. But I didn't feel powerful. And it just kind of broke my heart. I just thought, wow, that's what our world thinks today is power. And even so much that they would tell our young women, hey, this is power. That's not power. Peter knew about power. You see, Peter was there when Jesus ascended to heaven, and he said in um, Acts 1.8, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the world after you receive the Holy Spirit. 
Peter knew about power. He was there on the day of Pentecost when power came and he stepped out there and in all his boldness and bravery and he preached the gospel. He knew about power and you and I know about power, but the world doesn't know about power. And that's sad to me because we know when we just sit here in our sanctuary every Sunday, not just us, churches all across our nation, and we, we know about this power, but once we walk out those doors into the city, we forget about it. You see, we need to not worry about music or Washington. We need to pray that our children and that we ourselves are filled with the Spirit because you know what? The Holy Spirit brings gifts. And wouldn't that be amazing that if the church just started every day, 24-7, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. You know what those are? They're wisdom and knowledge. Can you imagine just having, what if your daughters and your sons had divine wisdom and knowledge and supernatural faith that, that, that would move mountains and healings and miracles? All those are, are gifts that the Spirit brings to us. And tongues, interpretation of tongues, and then prophecy. You know, we think that's weird, prophecy. You know what prophecy is? It's just speaking God's Word. It's just saying His Word everywhere we go, speaking God's Word to people. And then discernment. That, we need some discernment. And we need some righteous discernment. Wouldn't that be amazing if our, the kids, they go out into our schools, but they were filled with the Spirit and they had righteous discernment? You really wouldn't have to worry that much about the choices they made because you knew the Holy Spirit was leading them and guiding them. Peter knew that. And he knew there was people inside that city that was so deceived about power. Probably even the people that were about to put him to death, they were deceived about what power really was. Peter knew the real power, and he said, I can't stay outside the city. I can't hide out in the safe place anymore because Jesus didn't die to make me safe. We say that. We hear that. Everybody says it nowadays. He died to make me dangerous to the evil, to the darkness of this world. And he, that's what he did for us, 2911. And we can come in here and week after week, and we can just have a great time. And I love this church. It's the most amazing church I've ever been to. But it doesn't do as much good if it just ends on Sunday. If we just think it's an option, it's just something we get to choose during the week. We need to tell this world about the power of Jesus Christ, the power in the name of Jesus, the power in the Word of God, the power in our weapons. They need to know that, and it's time the church put on the whole armor of God, and we picked up our weapons, and we ran to the battle. That's what a church looks, a, a dangerous church looks like. I think that's what God's calling us to. I think that's what he's calling us back to. Peter knew that. You know, we think that... Um, Sharing the good news is hard. It's not hard. But I'm going to tell you this. Sharing the good news is urgent. I don't believe we have much time. It is urgent. I think we have to get, I think we have to be compelled because sharing the good news is urgent and it is not optional. It's not something we can just do if we want to do and decide this one day and not the next day. It is not optional. We have to be serious about that. That kumbaya Christianity has to end today. And I have asked God to please end it in my life. Don't let me be complacent. Don't let me go to JCPenney's one more time and, and miss an opportunity. Don't let it, don't let it, don't let it affect me um, in just a nonchalant way, but let your word pierce my heart and let me remember this tomorrow, next week, a month from now, a year from now. Let me, don't let me be complacent anymore. This is what Romans 12, 11 says. Never, not sometimes, not every now and then. It says, never be lacking in zeal, 
but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Don't ever let it die. If you have to get in your prayer closet every day, well, you should get in there every day, but I'm just saying if, you, if it's a problem that it dies out, don't let it die. He said never let it die. Keep it stirred up and remember, remember your purpose. The purpose of the church is to win this world. And God, Jesus never told us to do something impossible. He wouldn't call us to an impossible battle. He's calling us today, and I believe he's calling 2911. I believe he's asking you, please, please go out there past those gates. When we walk out those doors, we're walking into the city, and we have to make a choice. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to speak. I'm going to be salt. I'm going to be light. I'm going to witness. I'm going to share. I'm not going to be silent. I'm going to run to the battle. Because what kind of person would we be if we just sit in here and knew all the good things and we just let the evil destroy people out there? What kind of people would we be? What kind of church would 2911 be if we just didn't care? I don't want to be that church. I want to be a church that has a heart that loves people and we know our purpose and we are determined and there is no stopping us. That's what I want to be. And I'm going to close in just a minute, but I want to share something with you that's really, really important. So I want you to listen to me. Now, I know how to separate eggs. Somebody told me, it was probably, it was probably my mother-in-law that told me about separating eggs, I and mean, it was probably my mother that showed me how to do it. But they showed me how to do it, and now I know how to separate eggs. Somebody thought it would be real funny at a Tupperware party one time that they would give me, make sure I got the little egg separator gadget, you know. And they just thought that was a big laugh, you know. But you know what? I don't even use it. I've learned how to just crack the egg and just volley it back and forth and let the yolk drain down. And I mean, the white drain down and the yolks stays in the egg. I just put one in this dish and let the white drain in the... That's just how good I am now. I know how to separate eggs. And you know what? At my house, when we have chocolate pie, we have chocolate pie with meringue. And you know what? It's good. You know why? Because somebody told me. Somebody that had that knowledge told me about it. Somebody showed me how to do it. I know you're saying, that's simple, David. That's just a simple little story there. Why would you even compare that to sharing the gospel with the world? Because the gospel's simple. Jesus never meant for it to be hard. You see, he did the hard part. He purchased it. You and I just get to talk about it. And that's all it is. It's just simple. You know, you've heard it said before that evangelism, sharing the gospel, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. That's all it is. It's just going out there in the world and being diligent, being compelled to share your story. That's all sharing the gospel is. That's all it will take to de defeat the evil in this world. I know the evil looks bad, but I want to tell you something. And I say this all the time. I said it the last time I spoke. The devil, he, he's not nearly as big as you think. You know what Christine Kane says all the time? He fits under our feet. Our God fills the universe. Evil's not going to be hard to defeat when we put our mind to it, when we step into our purpose, when we don't let our problems weigh us down and we walk in power. And that's what God wants us to do, and that's what he's calling us to today. This week when you wear your shirt and you take those touch cards, that's great, that's amazing, but it don't end there. It's when you're working, it's when you're talking, it's when you're on the phone, it's, it's it, when you're at the bank, it's everywhere. It's got to be a 24-7 job to defeat the evil. 
in a minute, we're going to all come down to the front and pray. And I love it because we do that because we're like, we're just like this huge family that we just love each other and we pray for each other. And I love it when we do that. But I just want to tell you that the prayer team's going to be up here and they're going to pray for you if you have a problem. If I hadn't talked about your problem today, don't, be, don't feel like you can't come and pray because these people that are going to stand up here, they're like Peter too. They've walked in their purpose and they've seen God do miracle after miracle and they know they know about a miracle working God. So they're going to be up here to pray with you. So come and pray. But before we come, I want to tell you what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for two things. First of all, I'm going to pray that we will not be confused about our mission. We will not be confused about our purpose. Because I think we get caught up in that sometimes. You know, the enemy's really good at talking to us and confusing us about about exactly what God's told us to do. And, you know, he's good about, let, about discouraging us and telling us, oh, that'll never work, or hey, that didn't work last time, or nobody wants to come to your small group, or, you know, somebody hurt your feelings last time or something. We don't need to be confused. We don't need to listen to the enemy. So I'm going to pray that we will not be confused because God is not the author of confusion. He is not the, he is a God of purpose and he is direct when he speaks to us and I'm going to pray that today that all confusion would end today but then I'm going to pray a prayer that we would not be complacent and I think that hits all of us I really do I'm going to pray that we will not be complacent that today for 2911 anybody anytime we are practicing kumbaya Christianity that today it ends that we'll no longer be complacent, but that we would be on fire. We would be fervent about sharing the gospel, about winning the world, about defeating the evil. Stand with me, and let's come to the front. In a minute, when the worship team is here, they're going to sing a song called, You Make Me Brave. And we always say here, we always say, now pray and don't start singing until you're finished praying. But today I want to tell you something. I don't want you to sing. I want you to declare that he makes me brave. Look at him and say, God, you make me brave. You're the one. You call me out beyond the shore into the waves. Call me out into the deep. Call me into something I've never done before. Call me into an area that I've never been before. Take me to people that I've never seen before and let me open my mouth and speak the gospel. I want you to declare that today. I don't want you to just sing it. I want you to declare it.